0: John Brown's body lies a-mouldering in the grave While weep the sons of bondage whom he ventured all to save But though he sleeps, his life was lost while struggling for the slave His soul is marching on Glory, glory, hallelujah
1: Glory, glory, hallelujah Welcome to War of the Rebellion Stories of the Civil War I'm your host, Leon, and this is a reading of the regimental history under the Maltese Cross, Antietam to Appomattox. The Loyal Uprising in Western Pennsylvania, 1861-1865, Campaign's 155th Pennsylvania Regiment, narrated by the Rank and File. And we're continuing on with Sketch of Company G by Lieutenant John A. Cribbs. In those eventful days, 47 years ago, when the people of the South had taken up arms to destroy the United States government, and the people of the North took up arms to maintain and save it, Company G of the 155th Regiment Pennsylvania Volunteers loyally went forth for the protection and defense of home and country. Company G was recruited in Clarion County, Pennsylvania, West of the Clarion River, in the neighborhood of Saint Petersburg, Salem, Monroeville, Edinburgh (now Knox), Shippenville, Freiburg, Tyler'sburg—all small country villages—by Dr. Charles Klotz, Miles P. Sigworth, Edwin Meeker, John A. Cribbs, and William F. Colner, assisted by several others. In the latter part of August, eighteen sixty-two. On the day before leaving for the seat of war, the members of the company assembled in the grove at the home of Dr. Charles Klotz near Salem, where a sumptuous dinner was served by the good people of the community. A social good time was enjoyed, cordial greetings exchanged, and hearty good wishes expressed. The parting that afternoon, however, was with sad, suppressed, deep, and heartfelt feeling. Fervent prayers from pious fathers and mothers, brothers and sisters, devoted and loving wives and friends, gray-headed grandfathers and grandmothers, followed the departing soldier-boys, of whom so many were not to return to their dear ones again. On the next day, the young recruits went to Kittening, Pennsylvania, some thirty-five miles distant, on farm wagons. Leaving Kittening and box cars, they duly reached Pittsburgh, and were taken for the night to the old city hall, and the following morning to Camp Howe, then in the suburbs of the city. Dr. Charles Klotz was made captain, Miles P. Sigworth, first lieutenant, Edward Meeker, second lieutenant. At Pittsburgh, August twenty-eighth, 1862, Company G was mustered into the United States service for three years or during the war. Here, also we received our uniforms, After several days, stay at Camp Howe, we traveled by rail to Harrisburg, where we joined the 155th Regiment. Our guns were dangerous-looking weapons, but when we reached Washington, D.C., better and more modern arms were furnished us. Crossing the Potomac River at Washington, we were marched out to the second Bull Run battlefield, then moved back, then recrossed the Potomac some distance above Washington into Maryland. We marched through Frederick City and across South Mountain, where we saw evidence of the severe fighting a few days previous. Marching all night, we reached the Army of the Potomac at Antietam the morning after the great battle which had been fought there. On the afternoon of the same day, September 12, 1862, Company G of the 155th Regiment Pennsylvania Volunteers were sent across the Potomac on a reconnaissance to drive the retreating Confederates out of Shepherdstown. The Confederates hotly contested this movement, and sent some shells back, wounding a large number of men of the 118th. In the retreat, some of this regiment were drowned in the Potomac River. The writer, who was with Company G, could never understand why Company G was detached from the regiment, sent to wade the Potomac, and to overtake the Confederate Army on its retreat towards Richmond, Virginia, unless some responsible parties on the 155th Regiment wanted to have Company G and its Dutch captain killed or captured. Possibly, it was not thought necessary for the rest of the regiment to go if Company G went, but the doughty captain of Company G was neither killed nor captured. Exercising discretion in his valor, he remained on the north side of the Potomac guarding the knapsacks, and sent Lieutenant Meeker in command of Company G to cross the Potomac at Shepherdstown in search of the enemy. It was very fortunate for the 155th Regiment, that Company G was not killed or captured on this expedition, for this company was very much needed later on. The role of the company will be found with others on the roster of the regiment. It will be there seen that the first officers of the company, Captain Charles Klotz, 1st Lieutenant Miles P. Sigworth, and 2nd Lieutenant Meeker, were mustered out of service at the same date, January 10th, 1863. After these three officers were mustered out, George F. Morgan, of Company E, was appointed captain of Company G. John A. Cribbs was promoted from 1st Sergeant to 1st Lieutenant. At the same time, Arthur W. Bell, also of Company E, was appointed 2nd Lieutenant. No better, braver, more daring, and more deserving men could be found in the regiment than were some of Company G. After the promotion of John A. Cribbs to the position of first lieutenant, William F. Colner was advanced to first sergeant, which position he most nobly filled until the close of the war. A few months after Hooker's defeat by Lee at Chancellorsville, the Army of the Potomac was forced northward towards Washington, because Lee's army threatened Washington and Baltimore. The Army of the Potomac also crossed the river, keeping between Lee's army and Washington and Baltimore and Philadelphia. As Lee advanced, our army also advanced, keeping on Lee's flank until finally the two armies met at Gettysburg, where the greatest battle of the war was fought, one of the fifteen great battles of the world. On the morning of July 2nd, when General Sickles advanced from the position on the left assigned him by General Meade, he met a large body of the enemy, was badly cut up, and driven back. The Fifth Army Corps, was double-quicked a mile or more to the left to support General Sickles' 3rd Corps. As Sickles' troops were being driven back, Weed's brigade, in which the 155th Regiment was serving, advanced at double-quick towards the famous Peach Orchard. In driving the Confederate skirmishers from the position, Weed's brigade lost heavily in officers and men. General Stephen H. Weed, Colonel P. H. O'Rourke, and the 140th New York Volunteers and Captain Charles Hazlitt of the 5th United States Battery on Little Round Top were killed or wounded by sharpshooters. General G. K. Warren, Chief Engineer of the Army of the Potomac, was also wounded at the same time. The particulars of this Battle of Little Round Top being given at length in the historical chapters of this work, the writer forbears repeating the description of it in this sketch of Company G. From Gettysburg the army moved down towards the Rappahannock. Later in the fall, the regiment was in the movement around Rappahannock Station, and still later in the Mine Run campaign. The 155th Regiment went into winter quarters at Warrington, Virginia, and spent four months there. Company G with the regiment for quite some time at Warrington Junction guarding the Orange and Alexandria Railroad. On May 5, 1864, General Grant in command, with General Meade next in rank, Reached the wilderness and ordered the fifth corps, General Warren, in advance. The second corps, General Hancock, and sixth corps, General Sedgwick, each aggregating about thirty thousand men, and General Phil Sheridan and the several divisions of his cavalry corps, to advance by different roads until Lee's army was encountered in the heart of the wilderness jungles. After two days of very severe and fruitless fighting, the Confederates holding their positions, Grant withdrew and marched to the left flank to reach Spotsylvania Courthouse, where several roads converged, leading to the open ground outside of the wilderness, to Chancellorsville and Fredericksburg. General Lee's vigilant cavalry scouts soon detected this movement of Grant, and divining its object, the Confederates having a shorter road not obstructed nor harassed by an enemy, reached the vicinity of Spotsylvania Courthouse, a fifteen-mile march before the head of Grant's columns, which had marched some hours earlier. Warren's Corps, still in advance, struck the enemy at Alsop's Farm, or Laurel Hill, near Spotsylvania, and a severe battle with heavy loss to both armies occurred early in the morning of the 8th. Spotsylvania, however, was secured by the Confederates, who at once proceeded to fortify, and miles of entrenchments were constructed. Grant's assaults and attacks upon these fortifications were fruitless, and he flanked them to North Anna. Still flanking, Grant evacuated Spotsylvania, and on the 24th of May crossed the North Anna, where the Confederates unsuccessfully attacked Warren's Corps. Grant, continuing his flank movements, proceeded to Bethesda Church in Cold Harbor, where bloody battles were fought with no results. These actions and skirmishing, together with a change of base across the James River, the charge of the 18th of June, so disastrous to the 155th and the Siege of Petersburg, and on down to Appomattox, are all so fully described in the general history of the regiment that the reader is referred thereto, Company G being ever-present with the regiment. The original enrollment of Company G, officers and men, August 28, 1862, was 97. Additional enrollments, mostly in 1864, by draft and by substitute, and by transfer from other companies and regiments was 40, making a total of 137. Record enrollment, casualties, etc. of Company G. Died of disease, mostly the first year of service, 13. Discharged on Surgeon's Certificate of Disability, 21. Killed in battle, George Hondel, Fredericksburg, Virginia, December 13, 1862. Henry J. Hummel, Wilderness, Virginia, 1864. Jeremiah Keeley, Petersburg, Virginia, June 18, 1864. Henry Hunsberger, Hatchers Run, Virginia, February 6, 1865. Frederick Eisensee, Five Forks, Virginia, March 31, 1865. John Miller, Laurel Hill, Virginia, May 6, 1864. John Oler, Chancellorsville, Virginia, May 3rd, 1863. John Snyder, Fredericksburg, Virginia, May 13th, 1862. John Texter, Fredericksburg, Virginia, December 13th, 1862. Daniel Embody, May 20th, 1865. Ferdinand Eisman, March 12th. Arid Foles, October 6th, 1862. Hugh B. Platt, December 24th, 1862. William Vensel, February 24, 1865. Wounded in action and discharged from hospital on surgeon's certificate or by general. John Amster, wounded in Fredericksburg, Virginia, December 13, 1862. Abraham Bish, lost leg at First Hatcher's Run, discharged May 9, 1865. William F. Best, wounded at Petersburg, Virginia, discharged... March 25, 1865. John Gordon, wounded at Spotsylvania, Virginia, discharged May 12, 1864. Amos Heiberger, wounded at Five Forks, Virginia, discharged April 1, 1865. Paul Mahali, wounded at Wilderness, Virginia, discharged May 5, 1863. John Marsh, wounded at Quaker Road, Virginia, discharged March 29, 1865. George O'Platt, Wounded at Five Forks, Virginia, May 1st, 1865. Jeremiah Ragner, wounded at Laurel Hill, Virginia, May 8th, 1864. William Stitt, wounded at Quaker Road, Virginia, March 29th, 1865. Thomas Taylor, lost leg at Peebles Farm, Virginia, September 30th, 1864. James L. Black, wounded at Spotsylvania, Virginia, May 1864. Missing in Action. John McFarland, missing in battle of Hatcher's Run, probably killed. Isaac Thomas, missing in first day's battle in Wilderness, May 5th, 1864. Last seen, on one knee, taking aim at enemy. Probably killed at that time. Isaac Wetling, captured at Battle of the Wilderness and died at Andersonville, Georgia, September 1864. Of the 97, originally enrolled who volunteered for three years or during the war. Twenty-nine came home together at the close of the war, and were mustered out of the service, June 2nd, 1865. Twenty-four of the twenty-nine were wounded. The following are the names of the twenty-nine who came home together. John A. Crims, First Lieutenant, only a scratch in front of Petersburg. William F. Colner, First Sergeant, Wounded or struck with rebel bullets, ten or twelve times. Oliver Pop, Sergeant, wounded. Frank Shoup, Sergeant, wounded. Josiah Philman, Sergeant, wounded. Alonzo McMichael, Sergeant, wounded. Edward Alexander, Corporal. Emmanuel Slogenhaupt, Corporal. William B. Fowles, Corporal, wounded. George F. Platt, Corporal, wounded. Hiram Beals, wounded. Leonard Denner, wounded. Adam Ditman. Edward Darnell, Peter Dower, wounded, George F. Edinger, wounded, Miles Eisman, John P. Greer, Jacob Hunsborger, wounded, William Hess, wounded, Isaac W. Mong, wounded in front of Petersburg, Joseph Mong, wounded, John Neely, John A. Neville, wounded in front of Petersburg, David E. Stagley, wounded, George Y. Swab, wounded, Franklin Will, wounded, the following recruits were also mustered out with the company. William French, wounded at Gravelly Run, March 31, 1865. John G. Fries, August McGarry, John A. Parchert, John Weber, Frank Shoup, Josiah Philman, Edward Alexander, and several others were in every battle in which the regiment was engaged and never received a scratch. All were splendid soldiers. Indeed, the entire twenty-nine were good soldiers. Of the remainder of the company, some were in hospitals on account of sickness or wounds, and were discharged on surgeon's certificate, and others by general order. Others had been transferred to the Veteran Reserve Corps. A few recruits were transferred to the 191st Regiment, Pennsylvania Volunteers. Of the 97 who started from home together in August 1862, 44 were killed and wounded, and two missing in battle. Most probably killed, making 46 recruits killed and wounded, eight, and one missing in action, making nine. This made a total of 55 who suffered from rebel bullets, 29 came home together at the close of the war, and of these, 24 had been wounded, leaving only five of the original 97 at the close of the war untouched by the fatal disease or bullets. These facts show the character of the service of Company G, the risks, dangers, and hardships these noblemen endured for the welfare of home and country. Remarkable Escapes The twenty-four of the famous twenty-nine were wounded not only once, but some of them were struck a number of times. Especially was this true of Orderly Sergeant William F. Colner, who was struck by bullets of the enemy ten or twelve times, only once, however, was he so badly wounded that he has carried a reminder of it all these years. His record is exceptionally remarkable. In one battle, a bullet passed through his knapsack. In the next engagement, a bullet passed through his haversack. and another, the company report book, which was rolled up and strapped on top of his knapsack, was cut in pieces. A bullet struck and bent his gun barrel in another engagement. At another time, his canteen was also shattered from the same cause. Continuing, his rubber blanket, rolled up and thrown over his shoulder, was shot through. Another engagement resulted in the cutting of his coat across the shoulder by a bullet. On several other occasions, after battles, his pantaloons were rent by bullets. In fact, it was so common for Sergeant Colner to get hit, that the boys would inquire frequently after coming out of a fight. Well, Will, where did the Rebs spoil your clothes this time? Sergeant Colner Really seemed to bear a charmed life. The writer can give no other explanations of this wonderful deliverance and preservation than his belief that it is due to the fact that on the hilltops of St. Petersburg, Clarion County, Pennsylvania, there was a pious mother interceding with the God of battles for her soldier boy by day and by night until the war closed when he returned home again, the worthy hero of many battles. Others in the company were equally brave, equally heroic, and daring. Yet they did not seem to have so many close calls, though equally exposed to the enemy's bullets. On the 18th of June, 1864, when the famous charge of the regiment in front of Petersburg was made, a bullet struck Isaac Mong of Company G in the breast and passed through his body. Though badly wounded, he walked off the battlefield, and within three months returned to the company and reported for duty. Twenty-three years after the war, that soldier-hero coughed up a piece of flannel blouse, which the enemy's bullet had carried into his body. It had remained there all these many years. Eight years ago, this patriot-hero was called to the eternal reward in that better country of peace and rest. The famous Twenty-Nine, with a few exceptions, having the distinction and proud honor of having fought with the regiment in and through all the great battles of the Army of the Potomac, First Lieutenant Cribbs was in command of Company G and all the great battles from the wilderness until the army settled down in bomb proofs in front of Petersburg in the summer of 1864, and was then absent from the company some three months as acting regimental quartermaster. In the latter part of March, however, he received an eight days leave of absence to visit a dying sister in Clarion County, Pennsylvania. When he left the front, all was quiet, nothing occurring to indicate an early movement of the army. About the time he reached home, however, the army advanced, and after three days at home, the writer started for the front, succeeding only with great difficulty in reaching the regiment the day after General Lee surrendered. Company Reminiscence. Captain Charles Klotz, whose resignation was accepted January 10, 1863, returned to his home in Clarion County, Pennsylvania, where he practiced medicine, until disabled by sickness. He died in 1869. He was a man in good standing in his home community, being held in esteem as a citizen and as a physician. Captain George F. Morgan was promoted from Sergeant Major and Company E to Captain of Company G, January 10, 1863. He was absent from the company on recruiting service from February 18, 1864 until some time in August or September of the same year. He was detailed as brigade inspector from December 1864 to April 9, 1865. After the close of the war, he was breveted major for gallant service as a staff officer on April 9, 1865, still being on detached service at muster out of the company. Captain Morgan was a bright, worthy, and brave officer and soldier, a few years after the war, he was elected to the state legislature from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Later, he moved to Chicago, where he has lived some 30 years and engaged in politics, being deputy sheriff during the famous riots, and has been successful in business. 1st Lieutenant Miles P. Sigworth resigned January 10, 1863. 1st Lieutenant John A. Cribbs promoted from 1st Sergeant to 1st Lieutenant January 10, 1863 was mustered out with the Company June 2nd, 1865. Being the writer of this sketch of Company G, he can only say that he has the proud consciousness of having tried to do his duty as a worthy and true soldier, and of his justness and capability as an officer he must leave to others to judge. After the close of the war, he attended the Evangelical Lutheran Seminary at Philadelphia, Pennsylvania for three years, After graduating, he took charge as pastor of St. John's English Lutheran Church at Kittning, Pennsylvania, where he labored successfully in hopes for a period of ten years. He was then called to the pastorate of the English Lutheran Church at Zeleonople, Pennsylvania, and also director of the orphan's home farm school, Zeleonople, Pennsylvania. This latter position, he has reason to believe he has filled successfully and acceptably for a period of thirty years and the many friends of the institution, and the Church have assured him of their fullest confidence and esteem. Second Lieutenant Edwin Meeker entered the service with the company August 28, 1862. He was in command of Company G in the famous charge of the 155th Regiment on Mary's Heights at the Battle of Fredericksburg, December 13, 1862. He was a worthy and brave officer and soldier, but though disabled by a severe siege of fever some three months previous to the battle, and physically unable to endure the exposure and hardships of active campaigning, he commanded the company in that great battle. His resignation was accepted January 10, 1863. Returning to his home in Clarion County, Pennsylvania, he engaged in the practice of medicine and the mercantile business, and died a few years ago in Virginia, never having recovered his health. Second Lieutenant Arthur W. Bell, received a commission in Company G, January tenth, eighteen 1862. He was a worthy young man of commendable character, and was a worthy and faithful soldier. After the close of the war, he engaged in business in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where he died some years after the war. 1st Sergeant William F. Colner, at the age of 16 or 17 years, volunteered to fight for Uncle Sam, and was with his company from start to finish, except when absent several times on accounts of wounds received in battle. He was in command of the company at the Battle of Hatcher's Run. At the close of the war, Sergeant Colners returned to his home at St. Petersburg, Clarion County, where he entered his father's general store. He was elected Sheriff of Clarion County, Pennsylvania, and later to the office of Pro-Onatary of the same county, filling the latter's office for a period of six years. He is now engaged in the insurance business in Clarion, Pennsylvania. Having been in poor health for several years, he is still found in his office when able, attending to business. May the Lord of Hosts deal tenderly and kindly with him in his sore affliction of ill health, and in the loss of his beloved wife, and keep him even to the end. Genial Private Billy Hess, faithful and brave in battle, was mustered out with the company, Private Josiah G. Winger, contributed by his wit and eloquence around the campfire most cheerful impressions in the early days of our enlistment and service, known to the recruits as the breaking-in period. He himself, after graduating in the duties of a soldier, was, in September 1863, transferred to the 14th Company 2nd Battalion Reserve Corps, much to the regret of the officers and men, whom he so often cheered with his happy manner while in active service. Private Joseph Niedenlander, joined the company in August 1864 and discharged his duties in a soldierly manner. Note. Since writing the foregoing, Sergeant Colner died at his residence, Clarion, Pennsylvania, May 1909. All right, that's the end of... This company G-Sketch by Lieutenant John A. Cribs, and this sketch was written a little bit differently and gave a little bit more to talk about, so I'm going to go ahead and read some notes that I took. Great Battles of the World was mentioned. Now, I looked this up because it sounded a lot like the title of a book, and I was right. It's a work published by Sir Edward Shepherd Creasy that was published in 1851 and several Other historians have gone on to add or change or include other battles that have since happened. This regimental history, of course, takes place 40 years after the war, so a lot of battles have happened since then. It is, of course, free to read, and I gave it a a twice over, and I think my listeners will find it pretty interesting and entertaining, so I'm going to include it on the website under the post for Company G., Now, Gettysburg isn't on the traditional list since it was written in 1851, but a republished version by different authors and publishers include the Battle of Gettysburg in later editions. I don't know about you, but I kind of agree with that in Gettysburg. It's a high honor for historians to include a battle you fought in, with the likes of Marathon, Hastings, and Waterloo. And anyway, it's free and has no copyright. Feel free to share it or copy it as you like. doesn't matter, but it's up there for you to read. Now, let's talk about the 24 of 29 being wounded. All the names were listed, but this little detail makes me wonder of how many of the men who came down or who came home from each company were actually walking wounded who had recovered from their wounds. And they just don't talk about it. And especially if someone like orderly Sergeant William Colner being shot 10 or 12 times and making it out alive, he's very lucky. Now, I wouldn't want to be around him because I'm not sure I would be lucky as him when he's got that many bullets zooming around him. You know what I mean? So absolutely crazy stuff. And also talking about Isaac Mong coughing up a piece of his flannel blouse. Now, I looked into this. I seem to remember some historians on Civil War Battlefield Trust briefly bringing it up and saying that they talked to some doctors about it and it's not really possible. But I did find some articles and writings, one from history.net that's about Civil War veterans having bullets fall out of their bodies in various different ways. Whether it was coughing it up or You know, them coming out like slivers, almost. It was very weird. But then I went and found a medical article from the Journal of Emergencies, Trauma, and Shock from the National Library of Medicine about four cases over the last century of people sustaining gunshot wounds and coughing up the bullets. So I guess the moral of the story is, when you have this many people shooting at each other, anything's possible, I suppose. I'll include both as links under the company G just in case you want to do some wild reading because they're pretty crazy. The medical journal happened about 10 years ago, so it's fairly recent. And the history.net just has various articles collected about veterans previously that they just put together to form their own article. And it was a pretty fun read too. That wraps up the info for company G as far as my notes were taken. I'd like to say that I hope you all had a fantastic Labor Day weekend and got some much needed rest and relaxation. As far as news for the podcast and the channel goes for, I've got chapter three of the history of company K for Patreon, for Patreon members coming out this Saturday and two poems, uh, r- written by Civil War veterans that are r- recorded for the YouTube channel coming out. So it's going to be a pretty good content-filled weekend. So, all right, everyone, I'm taking off. Stay safe, enjoy your weekend, and I'll catch you later. Old
0: John Brown's body lies a-mouldering in the grave mm-hmm. While weep the sons of bondage whom he ventured all to save But though he sleeps, his life was lost while struggling for the slave His soul is marching on Hallelujah, glory, glory, hallelujah, glory, glory, hallelujah, for a soul is marching on. John Brown was a hero. Undaunted, true, and brave. In Kansas, knew his valor when he fought a rights to save. And now, though the grass grows green above his grave, his soul is marching on. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Soul is marching on. He captured Harper's Ferry with us 19 men so few and frightened old Virginie Till she trembled through and through They hung him for a traitor Themselves a traitorous crew But a soul is marching on Glory, glory, hallelujah Glory, glory, hallelujah Glory, glory, hallelujah On. John Brown was John the Baptist of the Christ we are to see Christ who of the bondmen shall the liberator be. And soon throughout the sunny south the slaves shall all be free, for a soul is marching on. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. For a soul is marching on. that he heralded, he looked from heaven to view on the army of the union with its flag red, white, and blue, and heaven shall sing with anthems or the deed they mean to do for his soul is marching on. And strike while strike ye may The death blow of oppression In a better time and way The dawn of old John Brown Has brightened in the day And his soul is marching on